Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Good morning. Roto experts. To the end zone. It's The mark of fantasy excellence. You have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. It's time for a touchdown. We're here to help you win your leagues and win that cash. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts in the morning. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Friday, September 7th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do-it. This is Roto Experts in the morning, right here in the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speeds the Spittin' Statistician, and I am joined by my man, FSWA Hall of Famer, the King Scott Angle, and Motown Phillies back again. We had a little boys to men doing the national anthem. And Philly is back with an 18-12 win at home when they raised the banner over the Atlanta Falcons. Scotty, how you doing on a Friday? Doing pretty good. Uh, you know, it's uh, getting ready. A lot, a lot of stuff updated on rotoexperts.com. You can get the exclusive edge in-season fantasy football package uh, right now. And everything you need to get set for week one. And if you're in the tri-state area, get the... Uh, Daily News kickoff special on newsstands now. Standalone kickoff special with articles from Roto Experts. As for boys to men, originally there were four guys, four guys in the group, yeah. not three, right? You know, they're, yep. they're, they're missing that fourth. I don't know, know exactly when he left. Yeah, I don't know when he left either. I don't know, to be honest. I, I hate to say this. Yeah. I don't know if he's still alive. You never know at this point, right? So. Um, but it was like that. It was the, uh, he is apparently, uh, it was the guy with the deep voice, you know, the one that would, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the middle of the song, like, I feel, like, pay, I feel <laughs> pay too. I know, yeah. I know you cry, baby, but I've been yeah. bad to you. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. But let's get into this, Scotty. 18 to 12, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, get the WJ Ajayi with two touchdowns, 62 yards on the ground. It was a committee, Scott. I mean, Corey Clement was in there. My guy, I told you, Tiny Darren doing a little bit of work not only with some in between the tackles running red zone carries for Darren Sproles Scott but he also had four catches for 22 yards what was the biggest thing that was the takeaways for you on the Philly side I mean Ajayi the two touchdowns you know Aguilar certainly being targeted as much as Zach Ertz but uh Nick Foles still in my opinion Listen, the Eagles won the game, but this Philadelphia offense did not look good with Nick Foles. They needed to resort to old Super Bowl tactics to get the offense going. Yeah, they yeah, they were using the run-pass option to keep it simple, which he 
which he did in the playoffs. You know, just Nick Foles runs very hot and very cold, and he's he's cold. You know, they simplified the playbook for him during the playoffs last year, but you know, you know as long as Nick Foles is in there, you got to consider streaming fantasy defenses against him. And you know, the Eagles are no lock betting wise while he's the quarterback. As far as uh, the committee, you know, Darren Sproles actually outsnapped Jay Ajayi. But uh, you know, Jai had the two touchdowns, and he actually ran the best of all the running backs. I think they really did not want to overwork him because he just came back from a foot injury, and he, you know he's got the knee on knee. So you're going to see something of a committee there. But you know, when they really want to go line run, once in a while they will give it to Sproles because sometimes defenses don't expect that, and he he has converted in some short yardage situations in the past. I think Jai is going to be kind of up and down. He's got a good matchup against Tampa Bay. But, you know, the two touchdowns really worked out. He, that offense is going to move, and he's still going to be the finisher on that offense. What did, well, Aguilar had like 10, 10 catches for like, for like 15 yards last night. I'm exaggerating. But, uh, you know, f- they really didn't open up the offense at all. It was just like underneath throws. Like I said, Mike Wallace is not rosterable. He's a 32-year-old former speedster who's done nothing since he left Miami. Uh, Zach Ertz, you know, they really couldn't stretch the field with him. And Dallas Cordero got a, you know, got a few looks last night, and we saw some good and some bad. And, you know, the, until Carson Wentz comes back, you never know. For all we know, with Nick Foles, he's so erratic and so unreliable and so unpredictable that he could have four touchdown passes next week. Yeah. Nelson Aguilar, as you had mentioned, eight catches, but for only 33 yards on 10 targets. But I will be I will say this. It is clear that outside of Ertz, he is the focal point of the passing offense. When we look over on the Atlanta Falcons side, Scotty, Devontae Freeman uh, may have a little bit of a knee injury. I know later on in the show, we're going to talk to our guy, Dr. A, about some other players going into their week one games. But uh, this could be interesting if he's already banged up. I know a lot of people had injury concerns with Devontae Freeman going into the season, but it was really because of his concussion history. If you add a knee to that, um, you know, it's not like Tevin Coleman did much, only nine carries for 19 yards. He did get the touchdown, but um, are you worried about Devontae Freeman and the knee? Of course you are, but, you know, we don't know anything yet. It's it's too early. You know, he was just on the sidelines holding his helmet. Uh, It's really too early to know anything. I think it's of course, the concern because he, content, he continues to get banged up. He got off to a good start with a 20-yard run, and then it was really nothing after that. Tevin Coleman had a nice catch and run on the screen pass, yeah. and he also had the, the nine-yard touchdown run, which beautiful cutback. And, you know, if you used him as a flex last night, you got a decent night. But, I, I look, in one of my preseason sleeper columns, I, I noted Tevin Coleman was a value because I just don't trust Freeman to stay healthy. Yeah, but this Atlanta offense, it looks like, you know, they were talking about it before the game, that they need to get the ball, force the ball to Julio Jones. They were talking about needing to get the ball to Julio Jones in the red zone as well. Let me tell you something, Scott. 19 targets. That is the biggest number that, you know, kind of stuck out to me. They were, in fact, force-feeding Julio the ball. When we talk about these number one wide receivers all the time, you know, we talk about these target monsters and some guys that, uh, you know, other guys that have mouth, other 
mouths to feed on their team. There is a huge gap here in the Atlanta offense. Julio goes off 10 catches, 169 yards. Scott, if you want to know the truth, I think it should have been more because I think the refs messed up that instant replay. I think that he did, in fact, pin that ball to his shoulder or whatever it was and was sliding inbounds. And if you, you know, one shoulder equals two feet, I think that was a huge call in the game, Scott, because I thought it was a catch for a 50-some-odd-yard play. And then on the next drive with Philly, that's when they ran the little trickery and scored their really their only touchdown of the game. I thought that was a huge call. But 19 targets, if that's going to be the case, Scotty, there's a very decent chance Julio Jones could be the number one wide receiver in the entire game this year. Well, here's two things. Number one, I don't know if it would have made a difference in the final score because they just might have kicked another field goal and still lost 18 to 15. But you're right. I th- I thought it was a catch. You know, I I thought I thought he had cradled it. You know, w- with his shoulder going to the ground and uh, basically got robbed of 52 yards. But then again, when you look at the numbers last night, I'm not going to complain. Look, something was taken away, but the the game was still huge, and that's, that's oh, absolutely. Rem- that's what you have to remember. I'm gonna I'm gonna err on the positive side of things with uh, with Julio Jones. That said, just you know, as uh, I saw the stat again this morning, in the last twenty times, including the playoffs, when Matt Ryan has tried to go to Julio Jones in the end zone, he's got one touchdown. Matt Ryan just does not play well. When the field gets short in the red zone, I, I don't, I, I don't. Matt Ryan is not comfortable throwing a fifty-fifty ball. He's just not. You saw it on that last drive where, where Julio, he could just could put it up for him in the middle of the end zone, and he way overshot him. He just, for whatever reason, Matt Ryan does not throw a good fifty-fifty ball. He is great throwing the ball deep. Out, you know, outside of the twenties and getting those big gains, etc., and you know, picking up some chunk yardage with Julio Jones. But that's what prevents Julio Jones from being the number two. Things prevent Julio Jones from being the number one wide receiver in fantasy football and being a mid to high first round pick every year: health and lack of touchdowns. We saw it again last night. Some quarterbacks just don't throw well in the red zone, but nothing's more pronounced than Matt Ryan. Sure. I mean, I don't think this... Listen, let's put it this way, though. Even if he doesn't get a ton of touchdowns, if he keeps up this pace of having 19 targets in a game, I'll certainly take my chances with him as the number one overall uh, wide receiver in fantasy. That would be a pace ridiculously enough for, like, 304 targets. That's never going to happen. We know that's unsustainable, but it's clear that they want to get Julio the ball. I got to ask you something, though, Scotty. You know we have to go here because of our talk with the Atlanta team, right? Mohamed Sanu, second on the team in targets with six. But here's the thing I want to ask you. When you were doing your Philly analysis, you mentioned Mike Wallace is not a factor with three targets, no catches whatsoever. The rookie Calvin Ridley out of Alabama, two targets, no catches whatsoever. A little bit of a dud for Calvin Ridley. What do you got? Yeah. You know, you look at what Julio Jones did last night, and, you know, that's, like you said, it's not sustainable. They don't want to play like that. They don't – look, Julio's still going to be, you know, their monster number one target. But we saw last year he'd have some huge games, and then he'd have some quiet weeks, 
Uh, I think he should be better than last year overall, though, in terms of that. You know, in the consistency department, it wasn't always there with Julio. You have a 250-yard game, and then you have a dud. And, you know, what this team wants to do is they want to have more balance in the passing game. So Ridley had a quiet opener. and But, no, I think they're going to try to start getting him the ball. I think they're going to try to, you know, hopefully get Hooper the ball more. You know, they want to have more diversity on offense. Than, let, than they did last night. I don't think that the Falcons want to play the type of offensive football that they did last night. Of course, Julio Jones is always going to be a very highly significant factor, but you know, you're not going to see that many targets because they, they want to have offensive balance. They want to keep defenses off balance. All right, fair enough. And just just to clarify for us, Scotty, on our uh, conversations, you know, about our Atlanta skill player guys, were we talking about uh, um, PPR scoring or standard scoring? PPR. Okay, fair enough. So just to make sure about that, uh, you know, Austin Hooper, 3 for 24, 5.4 fantasy points. Mohamed Sanu, 4 for 18. 5.8 5.8 fantasy points with a slight, slight, <laughs> slight lead. And Calvin Ridley, of course, still with the bagel. Remember, all I got to do, though, is have nothing. Uh, yeah, no, nothing. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. One touchdown makes up all of that, right? You know, so it's not a big yeah, deal. I just happen. wanted to clarify, but neither one, none of those you're, guys had big You're asking for a games. lot for a, t- for, a, for a receiving touchdown on that team, all right? Yeah, I mean, none <laughs> of them had big games. And like I said, the, no. literally the biggest number that stuck out to me was the number 19, which is the 19 targets for Julio Jones. Um question you know we didn't touch about this much going into the game at all but some interesting notes coming out of uh, Philly injury wise we didn't talk about it going into yesterday Scott but one of the guys you talked about liking a little bit um, was Mac Hollins and they sent Mac Hollins to injured reserve so he's not gonna be in the mix okay so really they had Nelson Aguilar they had Mike Wallace and uh, DeAndre Carter got a target but I know you had uh, a little bit of a little bit of buzz around Mac Hollins but he goes to IR so he won't be in the mix yeah, this is a loss, and yeah. I, I started to wonder last night, you know, this is a team that could really use Des Bryant, but then again, hmm. if they get Alshon Jeffrey back. They get Alshon back, right. It's, it's almost having the same type receiver. If you don't mind, though, one thing I'd definitely like to say this morning for the first time, though, is let's, we talk about overreaction Monday. Let's not have overreaction Friday, and I say it all year. You know, people are going to say, hey, you know, I got this much from Julio Jones. I'm winning already. Or, uh, well, uh, Dane, I need some lineup advice. I need some upside because uh, Julio scored that many points last night and I'm already behind. Just because one player played last night in one game has no real inkling of whether you're winning or losing. Don't overreact either positively or negatively. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I've said that all week when I got people already asking me about trades to make. I'm like, don't overmanage. Don't overanalyze. You know, you drafted some of these guys for a reason. Let's see what happens there. The only other thing I want to mention, and we're going to have our guy Dr. Ray from Inside Injuries join the show and talk a little bit more about some other players. But there is a report that the Carson Wentz injury now may stretch. You know, he's first of all, he still hasn't been cleared for contact. But there was a report that he might be out for multiple weeks. Scott 
Scotty, uh, is that why you picked the Giants to win this division yesterday on our air? Because, listen, I'm telling you something. Nick Foles did not look that good under center. I'd be a little bit, even though they got the win, I'd be a little concerned uh, about Nick Foles leading this offense for any long period of time. I mean, they literally had to break out the trick play from the Super Bowl for, uh, for them to like, get the crowd back going and to start moving the ball. Well, they did, they did find a way to win, so they're 1-0. And as long as they keep winning a decent amount of games, they can afford to do that. I did not know about this Carson Wentz injury when I made that prediction. Uh, <laughs> I was expecting to be back somewhere between week two and three. But then again, you know, you never know how anybody's body heals. And he did tear the LCL as well as the ACL. Mm -hmm. So I think they want to be real careful with their fan franchise player there. Uh, Look, he's going to continue to pepper Nelson Aguilar with targets. But f as an offense, you know, fantasy-wise and from a betting perspective, uh, from a DFS perspective, you want to see one there, but they're not going to risk their franchise player before he's ready. Yeah, absolutely. You got to tell everybody, listen, uh, maybe you had the Philadelphia. I know. I guess you wouldn't have done this, though. I think it would have been a little bit crazy, but maybe some people are already through to week two in their survivor pools because they picked the defending champions at home. But I got to tell you, the Fantasy Factors free million-dollar NFL survivor contest is now open. Sign up today and get your chance for $1 million. Go on over to FantasyFactor.com. That's right, FantasyFactor.com. At the end of the show, Scott and I are going to give out our, you know, our picks against the spread. We're going to give out our survivor picks as well to help you win your leagues and win that cash. I doubt anyone used the survivor pick on either of the teams on uh, Thursday night football. But we will, uh, you know, when we come back a little bit later on after the break, we are going to talk to Doctor A from Inside Injuries. We're going to ask him about some of these other players that we've been talking about injury wise. Also Austin Safarian Jenkins, the core muscle, you know, the, the Adam Thielen injury when he walked off the field, Doug Baldwin, um, and others, you know, some giants as well. We'll find out from Dr. A if you can go ahead and start them with confidence. But, Scotty, last thing here on the, um, on the game last night. I know you say don't overreact, but I will say this. The fact that Jay Ajayi looked to be the guy that they're using late in the games to salt it away, uh, you know, he did get the two touchdowns. He ran violently and with power. Um, I am encouraged by what I saw from Jay Ajayi. Yeah, I think you have to. That's not overreaction. You know, we're not talking about being ahead or being behind there. It's just a scouting report. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, out of all the running backs, he ran well. I think the matchup boded well for him with his physical style. And I think you'll see games down the you know, rest of the season. I remember Miami, you know, seeing a giant reminding me of vintage Steven Jackson carrying guys on his back. But, you know, we'll be a committee, so it's not going to be every week. Yeah, absolutely. But if he gets in the end zone, we'll take that. When we come back here on Roto Experts in the Morning, Dane and Scott are joined by Dr. A from Inside Injuries. If your players have a little red you know, cross next to them, we'll probably ask you about them and try and figure out if you need to put them in lineups or not. It's Roto Experts in the Morning. Come on right back. 
Like a great pass rusher, the Roto Experts will help you sack your fantasy football competition. When you register for their exclusive Edge Fantasy Package, you get a cheat sheet generator plus a player database with sortable projections and rankings from the best in the business. And you can join the fantasy conversation in the 24-7 Slack chat channel. Visit rotoexperts.com to register for the exclusive Edge Fantasy Package and enter the promo code FNTSY and you get a 10% discount. That's the rotoexperts.com exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package promo code FNTSY. back roto experts in the morning right here on the award-winning fantasy sports radio network dane martinez and the king scott angle as we cock-a-doodle do it right here every weekday getting you ready to win your leagues and win that cash all right what i gotta let you guys know about also don't forget go on over to dailyroto.com they are putting more than twenty five thousand dollars on the line for their subscribers this nfl season entering paid contests on FanDuel, and then bringing you along as a free roll Okay, have a chance to win big this year along SportsGrid CEO Jeremy Stein. He's one of, the, one of the only men to have won two separate million-dollar prizes. Each week, we'll select lucky subscribers to sweat with us and split 50% of the profits. If there's no profits that week, no worries. Your name will get tossed back into the hat for the following week. Head on over to DailyRoto.com sweat and learn how to get in on the action and your share of $25,000 in play. That's DailyRoto.com sweat. All right, got to let you guys know here on Roto Experts in the morning that listen, if it's Friday, one of the things you're looking at as you set your lineups, you got some of the guys on your roster with, depending on your you know website or whatever, little red crosses or red dots or something like that next to them. And so on Fridays, we are going to talk to our guy, Dr. A from Inside Injuries. Okay, you can't predict injuries, but the algorithm over there at Inside Injuries does just about as good a job as any as letting you know who is at an elevated risk and who is really primed and ready to go. And so we bring in our guy, Dr. A, here on Roto Experts in the Morning. Hey, Doc, how you doing? I'm doing good, guys. Good morning to both of you. All right. First of all, I got to say, I I know you're a Falcons fan. What do you think about Julio Jones' night last night? 19 targets. He had 10 catches, but I guess it wasn't enough. Uh, You know, if the the field was maybe a foot wider, he might have been all right. Yeah, this is very classic for Julio. You know, I look at it always from the injury perspective. He is a dominant wide receiver uh, before he catches the ball, after he catches the ball, while he's catching the ball. You know, the only concern with Julio is is that can he carry this team for every game in the season and what's his durability? Usually what our historical data shows is after the fourth game of the season, this is where the foot and the ankle and the hip and the groin and, you know, these types of things really limit his ability to play. That's very interesting, you know, Dane. It almost makes me wonder, is only Julio Jones in three of my ten leagues? Uh, you know, do I want to sell on him after week four? Yeah, I mean, that is interesting, you know. If listen, they don't diversify the offense, it's something you got to consider. I feel like every player, you know, as the season goes along, starts getting banged up. But, of course, I mean, 19 Julio targets. Jones has this history. Yeah. <laughs> We'll 19 take that. targets is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Dr. Ray, I want to ask you about one guy here because, listen, the Giants have not been able to defend the tight end for a very long time. So I thought that Austin Safarian Jenkins was going to be a little bit of a sneaky play for me, maybe in DFS this week or even in some season-long teams. But I hear that he is battling a uh, – 
core muscle injury. Listen, what is my core? You know, I know about that people doing Pilates and stuff, but Dr. Ray, what is a core muscle injury and how concerned should I be about Austin Safarian Jenkins? All right, so the, the, the mildest uh, core muscle injury is uh, like an abdominal muscle injury, you know, where we all should have a six-pack, basically, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, that is, the, that is the most mild form of it. The, most, the, the biggest and most severe form of a core muscle injury is a sports hernia or a tear or something like that. And so we've graded it at a grade one core muscle injury. However, these types of things, you know, especially for tight ends who – you know, always get hit right in the core, um, you know, our algorithm is really recommending that he does not come back until September 18th um, because this is an injury that can be re-aggravated. So, you know, if he, if he is, um, you know, if he's going to play in the first game, you know, fantasy owners need to understand that he may be limited in snaps. And if he experiences any pain in that core, they're going to take him out right away. Uh, and so we're, we're off by two weeks if he does play on week one. We recommend week three, September 18th. Doc, uh, Adam Thiel is not listed on the injury report, but in uh, the injury advance that appeared on Roto Experts uh, two days ago and also on your website at InsideInjuries.com, you were saying that Thielen uh, should have been listed as questionable. He's not on the injury report, but you guys have a longer optimal recovery time for Thielen than anything else is indicating. Yeah, um, so it's based on, you know, the algorithm picks up terminology and words that the coaches say. And he said no cause for long-term concern, which basically means, you know, if I could translate what the algorithm says, it basically means there is cause for short-term concern, okay? And so if you look at it that way, and when coaches say words like this, this grade one leg injury that is kind of a myth, like they, haven't, they haven't told us specifically what it is. We've pulled everything that we possibly can, and essentially, indirectly, um, this, this is something that probably is going to need a week or two to heal. Most likely, when it comes to a wide receiver, it's going to be some sort of calf injury, uh, maybe a hamstring. We hope that it's not a hamstring because that is the biggest injury that impacts wide receivers. But at the end of the day, either calf or hamstring or knee, it looks like September 18th is what we're predicting based on all of these indirect findings. You know, obviously, if we don't know what the injury is, we can't be 100% sure. But based on all of these things, we're predicting that, September 18th is kind of when you may see him come back or where we, he should be coming back. All right, so there you go with Adam Thielen. Let me ask you about Doug Baldwin here, Dr. Ray, because, listen, when we were just joking at the top of the show about Julio Jones, you were saying that, listen, he's fine now, but as the season goes along, you know, it kind of may uh, deteriorate a little bit. Doug Baldwin has this knee injury, and he, you know, has kind of admitted before the start of the season that he's going to be dealing with this all year. He put himself at, I believe, 80 to 85%. Now, you talk about Julio kind of, uh, you know, going down, down from optimal strength over time. What level of concern do you have around Doug Baldwin, who's already saying he's only starting at 85% and admitting that this is going to kind of nag and linger for him? Tell me about your outlook on Doug Baldwin. Uh, it's, 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 it's big. Um, the, 
the, the biggest issue is that when if this is going to be a maintenance issue the whole year, there's two things that can do that. One is a really small meniscus tear that people just play through, get pain management, and then after the season's over, they'll get major surgery, et cetera. Or it's one of these arthritis, early arthritis things where he's going to require a scope meaning like just to go in and clean out the debris and, you know, he's going to have that procedure done, uh, you know, similar to what a Sony Michelle just had, uh, you know, a couple of times during the year, regardless, you know, the, the best he's going to get right now is a 17% injury risk at uh, elevated, uh, basically elevated injury risk. And we, uh, we do list him at 85% HPF at peak health. That is the border. It's the beginning of peak health. So he is a classic high risk, high reward type of guy so obviously, you know, if you can pick him up for a discounted value, that is what you need to do because when he's on and, and playing and, not, and pain-free, he can be a huge asset to any fantasy owner. But he's not, you know, you, you know this is an eighth, ninth, tenth round type of pick. This is nothing anywhere close to a lower number than that. What about, uh, what about Will Fuller? It's, the hamstring injury is lingering. And we've seen a long injury injury history with this guy. They're saying, you know, they admit that he may play Sunday, but how effective can he be against the Patriots? Well, you guys all have talked, you know, you've heard me say hamstrings with wide receivers. This is a grade one hamstring injury. He had a hamstring injury in 2016, which was also a grade one injury. Um, and, you know, all the other injuries that he sustained, cracked ribs and broken collarbone in 2017. I mean, um, you know, right now, the best he's going to be is right around 20% chance of injury. Right now, he's at 23%. He's going to heal if he doesn't play to 20%. So even if he does play in the game or even if he rests, um, you know, for another week, he will still be at 20 to 23%, which is a one and a almost one and a quarter chance of injury or maybe or, or missing a quarter of the season. Um, his HPF is above average, so it's telling us that if he does get on the field, you know, someone's got a chance of him performing. Um, you know, it's not poor or below average, but, you know, a 23% chance of injury, that's really, really high. So, you know, the hamstring injury is really going to hamper him. All right, so, uh, <clears throat> you know, you're down there, you know, big Atlanta fan. We're up here in New York. A lot of questions about some New York Giants here. I want to ask you about two guys. First of all, Evan Ingram got banged up in the preseason, had a concussion. He is out of the concussion protocol. I want to ask you, generally speaking, again, for some of our newer listeners, when we deal with head injuries, <clears throat> excuse me, what that kind of means. And if you have a history of concussions, does that make you more susceptible or more likely to have more concussions? I definitely want to hear about that. But also, Dr. A, the Giants' number one pick, Saquon Barkley, who many people up in this area are expecting big things from, has something of a, you know, kind of quad hamstring kind of injury. He's back at practice. How worried should we be about two major weapons for the Giants, Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram? Well, let's start with Saquon Barkley. He had a uh, soft tissue grade one type of hamstring injury two to three weeks Mm -hmm. ago. Um, you know, he has fully recovered. They've really been obviously, uh, precautionary with him. Um, and he's at low injury risk at 7% right now. They did a great job of getting him back down to that. And he's at 91%, which is peak health. So he should be good to go. We don't really need to say much about that. The Evan Ingram is a big issue. Um, he's had two concussions within 12 months 
And you guys heard me talk about uh, uh, hamstring injuries with wide receivers, concussions with tight ends. Uh, over the last three years, what we have seen as a trend is that they impact tight ends a lot more than any other position on the field. The biggest reason why is because they get hit a lot because they're not as nimble as wide receivers, so they take a lot of the hits like running backs. And so concussions really affect, and so Evan Ingram is really – the likelihood of having a third concussion this season is very high. And he's at elevated injury risk at 21%. High injury risk is 24, 24%. So, you know, he's at high risk. He's got the low average. He's someone that you have to stay away from, from a, unfortunately, as a fantasy owner. But Saquon Barkley is good to go. Varshawn Lynch limited a practice yesterday with a groin injury. Is this any significant concern? He does have an, a, a very, very tough matchup uh, for fantasy purposes against the Rams. But uh, I did speak to a former player about this years ago, a running back, actually. He told me it, it really depends on what happens in warm-ups, which will determine how effective a guy is going to be and whether he, can, where he should go. Yeah, I mean, warm-ups are important, you know, to, uh, you know just to physically and visibly look at. And if he experiences any pain, I mean, that, that's really a, sort of a qualitative type of check. But from a quantitative standpoint, you know, this grade one groin, um, in addition to, you know, he's had a couple of groin injuries in the past. And, you know, for, um, you know, for uh, uh, a running back who needs to move side to side quite a bit, uh, anything, any pain that he experiences in the groin, it's very difficult to pain manage a groin injury. You know, it's just one of the harder things to do. And so this will significantly impact if he, you know, impact him if he does play in week one. We still have him optimally recovered from this injury in week three, and that's why he's at high injury risk right now. So if he does play in the game, especially, Scott, you talked about the matchup. You know, it's pretty brutal. So, you know, if he does play in the game, not only will he not perform potentially, uh, he may re-injure and worsen his injury based on his matchup. Uh, they definitely don't uh, want that going down at the very beginning of the season because, as we know, this is a war of attrition over the course of 16 games. Dr. A, hey, let me get you out of here on this. For some of our newer listeners, okay, who may be just tuning in for their first football season here, tell us a little bit more about uh, you guys over at, Doc, uh, at Inside Injuries. You, you mentioned kind of the algorithm that you have. Can you tell us a little bit about your product over there and why we over here on the Fantasy Sports Network always say, you know, you can't predict injuries, but the guys over at there at, at Inside Injuries are the next best thing. Tell us a little bit about well, what goes into some of your formulas and algorithms to talk about kind of elevated risk and peak health and that sort of stuff. Yeah, so uh, everybody hears a ton of injuries uh, about every player in fantasy, and you know everyone's talking about all these different things. What we do is we help you make that decision uh, whether you're going to uh, draft a guy, whether you're going to pick up someone from waivers, who's good, how you're setting up your team with quantitative analysis pushing you in one direction or the other. We do an injury risk, which basically predicts what's the chances of him low, elevated, or high of being injured in the game. And you could now what we have found is you could take that percentage, multiply it by the season, and with the remaining games left, that is our prediction of how many games they'll miss on the field. So if there's 16 games left in the season in the beginning and we have somebody at 30% injury risk, they're going to miss 30% of 16, basically. So right. that is a very, very good number to look at. Um, and then our HPF basically is telling you if he's at peak health or not, if he's healthy 
Um, is he at 80, uh, is he at peak health coming into the game or if he's not, because if he's not at peak health and he starts the game, he may be at high injury risk, but he also may not perform. It's how much that injury impacts, you know, his ability to play or if he gets limited snaps and the healthy to return date is big because the team is not going to tell you exactly when he's going to return, but we're going to tell you by the algorithm, what's the best moment that he should return versus what the team is telling you because they're going to push guys out there faster than they should because they need to have contracts you know they need the position filled Mm -hmm. but we're going to tell you you know if that's too early basically so i mean that's kind of a really good summary of what we do Absolutely, Dr. A. Well, thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us bright and early here. We look forward to having you on or folks from Inside Injuries on every Friday to talk about some of those players that are, you know, limited in practice, these sorts of things, to help our listeners set their lineups and win their leagues, win their matchups on a week-to-week basis. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us here on Friday on Roto Experts in the Morning, Dr. A. Thank you, guys. Looking forward to it, and please say a prayer for my Falcons. (laughs) (laughs) absolutely hey uh scotty real interesting real quick before we head to break this evan ingram thing i mean i was fading him from the beginning because of other targets that were there in new york but dr a seems to be very concerned about the long-term sustainability of evan ingram yeah he does you know as you mentioned you know suffered the minor concussion last year and uh you know he was talking about defonte freeman during the preseason last year and said you know, if he takes another hit to the mm-hmm. noggin, he can miss a few weeks, and that's that's exactly what happened. You know, the, it's interesting because there was a lot of skepticism when we first uh, hooked up with Inside Injuries about, uh, you know, like – About the know, formula these, and stuff? These, about the formula, and these guys don't actually, like, you know, uh, actually, like, see the actual athletes they're talking about. But they have so much experience, and if you look on their site – you know, one of them, one of the, the guys who work with him is like the Falcons team doctor. There are a lot of qualified people who are weighing in on this. And uh, everybody at the, the, the network quickly became convinced that, you know, this stuff is for real. They've made a lot of solid predictions. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. And if you don't want to listen to us, they could always take it from Jeff the Skeleton, right? When we come back on Roto Experts in the Morning, Dan and Scott, we make our picks for week one, our survivor picks, and more. Come on right back. Roto Experts in the Morning on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back. Roto Experts in the Morning, where apparently it is ladies' night here. You know, uh, Friday, just got paid, all that good stuff. I hope you guys are enjoying your weekend as it starts here, as we slide on in to week one of the NFL season. I am excited. We got a taste of action. Although, Scott, I got to say, you know, Scott, it was... It was kind of a sloppy game last night. There were a ton of penalties. 
right? There are a ton of these. And, and Collinsworth was making the point, I would say, a couple of times. One, when there was like a safety coming over the middle where in a few years ago he would have just laid out the receiver, you know, coming across. And, and also there was one penalty, Scott. I think it was Grady Jarrett on Nick Foles gets a sack. And they called, uh, you know, personal foul for putting their body weight on the quarterback, you know, and I think like it's we're going to have to keep an eye on this between the tackling rule, the unnecessary roughness stuff. They are really trying to take as much physicality out of the game as possible. When they were talking about this, uh, putting the body weight on the quarterback, I was thinking what's going to happen when people are trying to ta- uh, sack Big Ben, when people are trying to sack Cam Newton? How do you get a 255, 260 pound, you know, world class athlete like Cam? down without putting your body weight on him. Did you catch some of that, uh, Scott, about this player safety stuff? Yeah, but I don't know if it's going to be consistent from game to game. So, you know, but look, the, the, the referees are human, and, you know, they, they missed on the Julio Jones thing. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's part of the game. I guess so. You know, I just I, – I, As I frustrating fear- as it is. And I just fear the pendulum swinging too far because there was something like 25 accepted penalties yesterday, Scott. At some point, it ruins the game flow. It ruins the experience. You know, when all, all, you know, all day long, you know, your defense gets off the field on a third and seven, but then there's an automatic first down for a defensive holding or for a ticky-tack personal foul, uh, you know, unnecessary roughness, stuff like that. I worry that it could get to the point where it interrupts the game flow and interrupts the experience of watching the game. Football's always been filled with penalties, and if you're a Raiders fan, you know yeah. that. You know the team is always littered with flags every year. To me, overall, it doesn't change anything. You know, pen- you, you've seen games in past seasons that, where the penalties have slowed everything down. You know, if you want to control it, the only way is go to go play Madden and take penalties off. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Hey, Scotty, what we say we're going to do here on Fridays is we're going to start to make our official picks. We're going to track them, our record over the season. You know, Fantasy Factor is doing that Survivor Contest. We'll give you our ideas on who to play in the Survivor Contest. And we'll see, you know, kind of out of us who lasts a little bit longer in Survivor. We'll see how we do record-wise. What we're going to do, Scott, is we're going to pick three games. Okay, we're going to pick three games against the spread each week. And I say three because here's the deal. And people know this. If you're betting against the spread, like in the Vegas Super Contest or what have you, you know, you hit like 57%. You're like a professional bookie, pretty much. You know, you're a professional sharp, pretty much. If you get to 60%, you're incredible, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to give you three games because – Listen, we're going to go 2-1 and one or better, and we're going to be at 66% for the season, and we're going to help you win that cash, all right? So let's go on over to our partners over at my bookie, and uh, I'm looking at some lines. Scotty, my first team, I'm going to make my three uh, picks here. I'm going to tell you who I like. Then we're going to hear your three, and then we'll confirm our survivor picks. I think we uh, teased them a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, my first pick... Listen, I'm going to Monday Night Football. I'm going to Monday Night Football right away. I have been down on the Oakland Raiders for a long time. I don't think Gruden is really in the 21st century as it relates to, you know, kind of his scheme and stuff like that. I'm worried about them. I believe these Los Angeles Rams, you know, I have them in the NFC Championship game. As you know, Aaron Donald is there. I know they are on the road and on the home opener, especially on prime time. I can understand the fans being there and all that stuff, but give me 
me the Los Angeles Rams. I see them at minus four and a half on the road right now. I like the Rams offense. I don't like the Raiders defense. And I still, uh, to me, the Raiders offense is a work in progress. So I'm taking the Rams minus four and a half as one game. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I am taking another road favorite as well. And this is also a play. You know, on week one, Scotty, what I'm doing a lot of the times is I'm fading the teams that I have been talking crap about all offseason. And one of the teams that I do not think is strong is the Miami Dolphins. I think the Tennessee Titans are just a better professional team that can go on the road and get it done. This point spread is only two. It's less than a field goal, so I don't think it's going to be involved. I like the Tennessee Titans to go into South Florida to beat the Heat and beat the Miami Dolphins. I'm not worried about laying the two points. So I'm taking the Tennessee Titans on the road minus two. And for my third pick, I liked it better when it was plus three and a half a little bit earlier on in the week, but now it is plus two and a half. One of the teams you and I have both said, Scott, is a little surprising to us, has shown well in the preseason. We believe it's a lot due to the strength of that offensive line getting a little bit better. I'm talking about the Cincinnati Bengals, Scott. I like the Bengals to go into Indianapolis and surprise some people. I have the Bengals plus two and a half. Listen, Andrew Luck, we didn't talk to Dr. A about, but you know, the shoulder is still kind of working its way in. We haven't seen him throw the ball downfield as much. He's still battling that foot injury. The running back position there at Indy is still something of a concern uh, because of that committee. We don't know uh, whether it's going to be Jordan Wilkins, whether it's going to be Christian Michael, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, I think Cincinnati has shown well I, I like attacking that pass defense. So I like Cincinnati plus two and a half. I like the Rams minus four and a half. And I like the Tennessee Titans minus two in Miami. Those are my three picks. Where are you going, Scotty, this week? Yeah, two of our three are the same. But like, but nice. Cincinnati, uh, I think Indianapolis might be like the third worst team in the AFC outside of Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton and Jack Doyle. They don't seem to have a lot going on, and I really believe that A.J. Green's going to have a huge game for you DFS players. You might want to go with a mm-hmm. Dalton Green connection. Maurice Jones-Drew was talking about his blog on NFL.com, how he thinks Joe Mixon, how people are going to realize how he's one of the best running backs in the NFL, period. So I'm looking for a big opener from Joe Mixon, uh, catching and running the ball. Uh, Tennessee and Miami, you know, I'm right there with you. That is one of the better secondaries in, uh, in, in, in the NFL. And with that depleted receiving crew, in uh, in Miami, I really don't think they stand a chance. I think Deion Lewis is going to absolutely eat up those linebackers. Uh, so you, I'm with you there. And then also, I'm taking uh, Houston uh, minus seven and a half against New England. I think that plus seven and a half, re- plus seven, plus and seven and a half. half. I think that game's going to be really, really close. And I would not be surprised if the Texans won that game. So there's my three. And if you want to. If you, you want to even go deeper into betting, don't forget to go to dailyroto.com slash betting. Uh, you know, expert picks from like Gabe Morency, Cam Stewart, and uh, game simulations and prop bets, everything you need to succeed. Yeah, 
Thanks for getting that in for us. Also, Scott, the new tool there over there as well. Absolutely. Hey, that's interesting, Scott. You know, seven and a half, more than a touchdown, right? I think that's an interesting call there with the Texans, getting that hook there at 7.5. Remember, they did play with Deshaun Watson last year. I believe it was something like a 33-31 game. You know, so if this is a kind of back and forth, any kind of shootout or anything like that, which the last team with the ball, you like having more than a touchdown, uh, Scott. And by the way, that, that's your Super Bowl champion, right? Right? So you got to ride with them week one, as you said. Oh, but here, Scotty, I have it right now on my bookie as plus six and a half, not seven and a half. So we're going to have to update those lines and make sure we got that. Are you, are you still cool with the Texans if it's six and a half and not seven and a half? Yep, yep. All right. I think J.J. Watt's going to have a big comeback game and be a real factor here. Okay, fair enough. I just wanted to make sure because for all of our betting guys that know, <clears throat> seven is that key number, the full touchdown. So what Scott said at seven and a half, right now on my bookie, we are at six and a half. So that hook is not there just yet. Maybe it will be by the end of the week. But I'm going with the Titans, the Rams, and the Bengals against the spread this week. Scott likes the Titans and the Bengals along with me and is throwing out his Super Bowl champion to beat the, uh, you know, kind of the big dogs in the AFC as well. Scotty, there are two huge lines on the board this week, okay? The New Orleans Saints are 10-point favorites, I believe, last check at home against the Bucks, And then the second biggest line that I see here is Baltimore at home against the Bills. They're given more than a touchdown. They're given eight points. I didn't want to pick either of those guys against the spread, but I'll tell you what. Give me the Baltimore Ravens as my survivor pick. I... Uh, I think it's far-fetched for Nathan Peterman to go on down there with that offensive line with T-Sizzle bearing down on him. So give me the Ravens. You know, Joe Flacco has looked good, um, kind of, you know, inspired maybe by the drafting of Lamar Jackson. I think the Ravens get it done, start 1-0 at home. Who is your survivor pick for week one to stay eligible, Scott? Yeah, I just don't want to go Baltimore because I don't want to be obvious, so... Although, you know, Tennessee is my pick, you know, they're a road team. So I think it's a little bit more of a challenge. But like you said, they're just But why are you trying to have a challenge? Aren't you trying to survive in advance in Survivor? Why are you trying to be cute, Scott? I'm not being that cute by picking Tennessee. But Baltimore, I just, it's not fun. Baltimore is too easy. Okay, you say that, but I mean, that's the point, Scott. We want it to be easy because we want to, you know, over at Fantasy Factor, we want to win a million dollars. That's what you want to do. I want to have more fun advancing. Okay, fine. Fair enough. You do what you want to do, Scotty. You got the Titans as your survivor pick. We both like the Titans to win this week. We're both even laying two points for them. Uh, Scotty, one other question. We got we to gotta ask, you know, because it is the biggest topic out there still. We haven't touched on Le'Veon Bell. I know that it's very hard to predict. There are some people that are now saying he's going to come in on Saturday, you know, so he could still be eligible, get that game check, and yet still save the wear and tear on him for one game. I guess there was a report about that. And I know what we're saying. I know, Scott, your position is like we kind of don't know. We have to kind of let it play out. But here's the wrinkle about that. I was talking about with um, with Mike Blewett yesterday, and then also on uh, on Fantasy Freestyle with the stats overbeat cipher from seven to eight p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, what happens, Scott? If and I we're gonna we're gonna play this out, okay? I'm giving you a a, 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 a scenario, okay? What happens to Le'Veon Bell and specifically his kind of like negotiating leverage? 
if James Conner on Sunday goes out and runs for 132 yards and two touchdowns. You know what I mean? Because here's the thing. Yes, Le'Veon Bell is a generational talent. We all think he's an elite back. A lot of people think he's worth, you know, the contract demands he has is like 16, 17 million, right? But I'm also reminded, Scott, uh, a couple years ago when Lev Bell missed the first like two or three games with suspension, D'Angelo Williams was like a top 10 running back for the couple of weeks that he was in. So what happens if James Conner comes in there and is like, also, really, really good. Does that, you know, change the perception of, like, is it Le'Veon Bell or maybe it's the Pittsburgh scheme? Maybe it's the, you know, top three Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line, as Austin Webster says in a new article on RotoExperts.com in the Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Like, you know, what happens to his leverage, Scott, if James Conner goes out and has a really good game Sunday against the Browns? It wouldn't shock me. You know, James Conner was like, Pro Football Focus actually like named him to their all preseason team. He looked that good, so it, it wouldn't shock me at all. It's a great offensive line. If he gets 132 yards, though, you just don't put it on the offensive line. That's you know that's Connor doing a lot of that too. You know, and he's very elusive when he when he gets to the second level. But you know, this is still Le'Veon Bell, and Le'Veon Bell is the best running back in the game. Arguably, you know, you can also say Ezekiel Elliott, David Johnson when you're talking pro football perspective. Sure. So to me, and anything doesn't change. I think I think the Steelers drafted Connor last year with maybe something like this in mind as well. Mm-hmm. And they, they knew already that they can start him if they don't have Bell. So I don't think the leverage situation has changed at all. Okay, fair enough. I mean, the question for me is like, you know, they're, they're clearly both playing hardball. One of their abilities, based on whatever happens on Sunday, one of them will be able to play hardball a little bit more. Either they will need Le'Veon Bell more or they will not need Le'Veon Bell more. But we shall see. I know what – I mean, Scott, you know – I know we say we don't know, but we are in the business of reading the tea leaves here. We've heard the offensive linemen start to express frustration. We've heard Le'Veon's agent out on radio shows this week. I mean, what, how do you think this plays out? I mean, I asked a, I asked a question on Fantasy Freestyle at, you know, yesterday. I was asking you, even you yesterday morning, like, would you trade him for Alex Collins? Would you trade him for whatever? And you were saying, you need a real good return back. The question I asked on Fantasy Freestyle is, would you trade – uh, for Mark Ingram, you know, where at least the amount of time that the guy is going to miss is definitive. And we know he's missing five of the first six weeks because of the suspension and then the bye. But we don't know about Le'Veon Bell. I mean, what are you doing? Let's give the people one more thought here. If you've drafted already and you have Lev Bell, I mean, we know we're looking for James Conner this week, week one. But moving forward, how are you playing this? Are you stashing him? Are you looking to are, are you looking to hold Le'Veon Bell? Are you looking to trade for Le'Veon Bell? Or are you looking to trade away Le'Veon Bell? Which one are you looking to do most? I know if I try to trade Le'Veon Bell right now that I'm not going to get the proper return in a lot of cases. Right. So if I have him... I'm going to keep him because it's too early to assume that, you know, that he's going to miss eight games or anything. Right. People just don't know. Like I said yesterday. The sky uh, is falling. Chicken little status. Look, the sky is, but now we're seeing reports he might be there by Saturday. So right. he can still collect his first game check. Right. Uh, but we don't know. We thought he might come in on Wednesday. That, no, nobody, like I, I said yesterday extensively, nobody, nobody knows. If, if somebody gives me an offer for him, somebody did yesterday, but they, you know, they wanted just too much from the rest of my roster, it, a three-for-one trade, I'm considering it because I have to take this day-by-day, week-by-week sort of thing right now, 
and I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I got to take a gamble. It's it, it, it's a risk, you know. It's like you know I'm uh, you know I'm I'm spitting in the wind, but if I know he's back for week three and by week four he's playing like Levy on Bell, uh, you know I wouldn't trade him for Mark Ingram because I know for sure Mark Ingram is going to miss four games and he's not on the level of Levy on Bell, so I wouldn't be taking a trade for Mark Ingram. Yeah, no, I hear you, and and that's pretty much where I landed also, Scotty. We say this about, you know, Scotty, we say this about Rashad Penny. We say it about Sony Michelle. We say it about Ronald Jones, right, that it's not about what these guys are ready to do in September. It's what these guys are going to do in November and December when you're making a fantasy playoff run or you're in the fantasy playoffs. And regardless of if he misses the first game or first two games or even misses week one and then week two and three, like you mentioned, is kind of, you know, not the late. Le'Veon Bell, we know as he's getting up to speed, he is still, by all accounts, a top two or three player in fantasy football and will be that by Thanksgiving and beyond, regardless of how long this kind of business aspect goes. So I am trying to keep Le'Veon Bell as well. And when I beat you in the fantasy playoffs with him, I'll go all the way laughing with my trophy. Right, Scotty? Speaking speaking about more fantasies right there. But the one thing is, when guys hold out, they do become more injury, uh, a risk for an injury. All right, we'll keep an eye on that. Maybe we'll ask Dr. A that next week. Go on and get your lineups ready. We'll talk on Monday and say where we were right, where we were wrong. Roto experts in the morning. Come on back. We'll have a great weekend. Happy week one. <laughs>